the late Brennan Manning used to travel all around the world, and he really had just one message. He would go around to different groups all around the world, and he would say, I think that when we get to the end of this life and we stand before God, God will have just one question for us. And that question will be, do you believe that I love you just as you are? Not as you should be, but just as you are. See, most of us will spend our lives either stuck in a pessimism, a self-hatred, a shame, thinking that we are never good enough, or we'll try to escape those exact same things by trying to prove our worth through achievements and moral living and righteousness. But both of these paths block us from receiving God's love because the grace and mercy and love of God is always flowing and it's flowing to the undeserving, not to the deserving. It's flowing to those who are willing to admit, I will never be as I should be. And so this love and this grace from God, it must be for me just as I am, right here in the midst of my sin and my shame and my feeble attempts at prayer, just as I am right in the midst of my self-righteousness and my addictions, right here in the midst of my worst, in the midst of my hidden secrets and my worst moments. See, God sees us just as we are. And his love and grace is available to us right here, right now, just as we are. The scriptures say, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All throughout the scriptures, we see this theme of God's mercy. We read about God's loving kindness, his compassion, that he's slow to anger, full of mercy. And the word mercy in the Hebrew scriptures, in Hebrew, is the word rehem. It actually means womb or womb-like. This mercy of God is like a sheltering mercy. It is a protective mercy. In Isaiah 66, we read, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, says the Lord. And I'd like to share a story with you today of a mother and a daughter. And in this story, I see the mother heart of God, that heart of mercy and grace and love. I captured this story via a recorded Zoom call, and I'd like to play it back for you now. So let's take a look. Hey, Platte Park Church, it's Mother's Day, and I have a couple of really special people that I want to introduce you to, my mom and my sister. So, mom, tell us who you are, where you are. Well, my, my name is Rose Rand, and I live in Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am the proud mother of Pastor Susie and also Debbie, and I want to let you know that everything that you find good in Susie 
It came from me. Anything you don't like, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> That's hilarious. Debbie, where are you? Yes, hi. I am the oldest sibling and very proud to be uh, Susie Grady's sister. I am in South Jersey right now, Vineland specifically, in my office. And thanks for having us, Susie. Yes, thanks so much for talking to me, you guys. So whenever Mother's Day rolls around, it's a tricky day, right? Lots of emotions on this day for lots of people. But I always look for stories on this day that represent the sort of power and beauty. <clears throat> and this year, since we can't gather in the same way we normally do, I was thinking like, who could I talk to on Zoom? And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a super cool sort of tribal history story right within my own family. <laughs> that would be cool to share. And um, many of you already know I'm one of four. So Debbie is the oldest. And then we have Teresa, myself, and Tom. And when I describe people uh, describe to people my family, sometimes I'll say, you know, I'm third of four, and my oldest sister, Debbie, is eight years older than me, and uh, we are very similar in lots of ways. Like, if you think I'm a little extroverted, you should meet Debbie, because she's super extroverted. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, like, a little bit driven, you should meet my sister, Debbie, because she's, like, super <laughs> And uh, if you know my story and you know I rebelled a little bit, you should meet my sister, Debbie, <laughs> who rebelled a lot. And um, so, Mom, I'm wondering if you could just take us back. Like, right now, um, you know, this is not the reality of our family and our relationships, but could you just take us back? It's like the early 1980s. What's going on at, for oh, you as um, in our family? Sure. Yeah, what was going on is uh, we were trying to figure out how to raise a very strong-willed child. And Debbie was it. She was a firstborn, strong-willed child. And um, we found that we were really having difficulties. So we started to, um, uh, well, actually, we started to notice some things that were um, not going very right. We were getting calls from her school saying, Sus uh, Debbie wasn't here. Uh, in any of her classes and besides that she's not even passing some of them and then we got a notice that um, you know she would go out for the night and she would never come back maybe for the night or for days and we knew we had a really tough difficult situation on our hands and um, actually didn't know what to do about it um, so we reached out to the school counselors trying to get their wisdom and what to do, how to handle this child. And um, and then we took some parenting classes. We thought, wow, we're not doing good as parents. We need to, uh, to up it a little bit and took some parenting classes and even reached out to legal authorities. Um, we just did, we were looking at every single uh, opportunity to help us to make the situation better. And it was just getting worse. Um, I think the hard part for me going through this was knowing that it may never get right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was the hard part. Um, but um, but we we stuck with it. Um, we we one of the joys uh, came probably after maybe a year and a half. We actually um, were able to get Debbie into a six week treatment program for runaway children, for difficult, for whatever, um, all the things that were going on. And so we were so excited. We thought, oh, 
this is the bright spot. This is so great. And because she had to actually willingly sign herself to get in this treatment program. And she signed in. And um, about three weeks into the program, they gave her a weekend pass um, and said she's able to come home for the weekend. And we were overjoyed. I mean, we rolled out the red carpet, had a great weekend. And then Sunday morning came, we went to church and she walked out and we realized she had run away again. So that was a difficult, um, probably the lowest point. Like here we thought we had reached the best help possible and we hadn't. And But I remember just driving around, not giving up, and uh, realizing I need to find her. I need to find her. I need to get her back into the program. If we hadn't got her back into the program, she would have lost the three weeks and not been able to get back into the program. And so um, definitely um, definitely a God's hand on her life at that time. Um, and and uh, we got her back into the program, and um, she finished successfully. When she came out, um, it was a combination of of uh, learning how to parent a strong world child. And um, so we had our work to do, uh, my husband and I, and, um, and Debbie had her work to do. And I think jointly, we got on the right track together. Woo! Making me cry over here. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to get through that, yeah. And I actually remember, though it's kind of a, um, you know, kind of a foggy memory. I remember that day in church, you know, when we all went to church together and Debbie was like, I got to go to the bathroom. Yes, yes. And she never came back. And uh, Debbie, I know you have your moments of just like experiencing mom in that moment. Can you tell a little bit about your sort of memories of mom from that time? Well, thinking back like to that moment and probably um, running away at church on Father's Day is probably, you know, one of the saddest and most heartbreaking things that I ever did. Like that pain is, you know, I've done a lot of things and I was very rebellious, but um, to run away from church at a special family moment, um, I think that still hurts me today uh, when I think about it. Um, but then I mix that with um, being a very strong-willed person, and still to this day, I am very strong-willed. Uh, I think I've used that energy for good and um, have done good things with, uh, with that uh, personality type. Um, but when I think back to that moment, and I recall just the, I want to just say, horrendous, days, weeks, even a few years that I put my family, mom, dad, all three of my younger siblings worrying where I was and I'm off partying, you know, this friend, that friend, this, you know, parent letting me stay. And, um, and I just think of the love, you know, that I felt even at the worst moments at when I had done the just most despicable, terrible, awful things. And I remember 
mom saying to me, Debbie, whatever you do, I will always love you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how bad you are, you know, your actions, how the behaviors, you know, I will always love you. I have unconditional love for you. And I can remember just at that moment, just like breaking down and crying and just being tearful, uh, thinking just, you know, that is really powerful and that my parents both love me so much. And my mom saying those words, they're meaningful today and they have shaped the way that I love my children with that same unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in the difficult moments, we have that silver lining and something that, you know, we take with us and leads us through life. Mm -hmm. I just thank you, mom. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Or just having the courage to love such a rebellious, you know, strong-willed, problematic teenager. Uh, you know, I really... The thing that I always think of too, Debbie, is like today, truly, I say this to people on a regular basis. I'm like, my sister Debbie is like one of the most gracious and forgiving people. I know you are, you truly are. And I always think about that scripture that says, you know, like, those who have been forgiven little, love little. But those who have been forgiven much, love much. And I just like see that in your life. I mean, your whole career and leading a company called Total Family Solutions that helps families in the midst of crisis. It's just like, holy cow, you know, right out of that story is born your work and your calling. And um, it's like, I just thank God for giving me you as a big sister and God for giving mom to us as our mom. I think she's the best mom in the world, which is very convenient because she is ours. <laughs> so, I love you both. Happy Mother's I love Day. Love you. Love you too. Mother's love you too, Deb. Love you, Suze. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. Love you. Love you. No matter what you do, I will always love you. To me, that is a picture of the mother heart of God. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, says God. As Brennan Manning said, here's the one question Jesus has for you and me. Do you believe that I love you just as you are? Because as long as I think God's love only comes to the deserving, I just continue along in a self-salvation plan where I am proving my worthiness in order to receive love. When it comes to God's love, I don't deserve it. I couldn't ever earn it. It is always and only a free gift, a free gift of grace. So the only way to experience the love and grace and mercy of God is to throw ourselves utterly and completely on that free gift of mercy and grace. 
and we do it again and again and again. This is where we find healing and wholeness and strength for the present moment, whatever we face. This is where we find compassion for others. Brendan Manning used to say, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. When my sister Debbie ran away from church that day, my dad was so mad, he just said, I'm done. I'm going to go take the other three kids home, and I'm going to try to salvage the rest of this day. And my mom said, okay. And she got into the car, and she started driving around our suburb of Milwaukee. And that car ride ended up being somewhat of a conversion moment in my mom's relationship with God because she found herself at a rock bottom, And she found that when the bottom fell out, that beneath it all, God was there. And as Midwest weather would have it, it just started to rain. It was just like a downpour of water from the sky. And my mom is driving around, crying out to God all afternoon. And about 30 minutes before they needed to be back at that center, if they weren't back, they would lose their money. They would, Debbie would lose her spot in the program. About 30 minutes before that time period, my mom is driving along in the rain, and she sees her teenage daughter on the side of the road in the pouring rain walking with her hoodie up. And she pulls over, and she just says, get in the car. And to me, this is such a picture of how God's love chases us down when we are at our worst and says, you know, get in the car. Like, my mercy, my grace, my love, it's always available. My shelter, my protection from the rain, it is ever-present. My love is unconditional. All you have to do is receive it. See, religion would say, God's love is based on my performance, my proving myself worthy of that love. Religion would say, I have God's favor through correct beliefs and through moral living Religion would say, if people would just think right and behave right, then God's favor would be upon them. That is not what God says. Romans 2.8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of of God. Jesus himself said, you know, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And it is not a rest that you earned. And it is not a rest that you deserve because of your right thinking and moral actions. This is a gift of God. 
It is outside of my performance. It is outside of my behavior. It is outside of my morality and goodness. It is a gift, not the result of proper doctrine. See, we do not come to God by doing everything right. We actually come to God by doing it wrong. And right there, in the midst of our worst, we find God chasing us down like a mother driving around town in the rain looking for her lost child. My mom said to my sister Debbie, when she was at her worst, no matter what you do, I will always love you. And God says to you and I, when we are at our worst, I will never leave you or forsake you. This is the transforming love of God, and it's available to you and I always. All we have to do is be humble enough to receive it. Do you believe God loves you just as you are? Brendan Manning used to say, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. The reason quarantine is especially hard for so many people is because we have never learned to be alone with ourselves. Like we are hiding behind so many illusions. And if you've never learned to be alone with yourself, then when all of the distractions are stripped away, when all of the distractions are taken away and removed, a whole lot of unpleasant thoughts come tumbling in. They come rushing in. Because here's the thing, you know yourself best. You have all the dirt on you. You know all the stories on you. You know all the worst moments of your life. And when you get alone with yourself, sometimes it can feel like, I would rather be anywhere, anywhere else except here with me. Sometimes we will actually prefer the company of some pretty terrible people who treat us really awful because actually their company is better than my own. We will prefer the distractions of things that harm us than to be alone with ourselves. That is just how much we hate ourselves. If that is your experience of quarantine, I want to tell you that there is another way. With God and God alone, three things are true. You are fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. Who else is that true with? With God and God alone, you are fully known, knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows you better than you know you. You are fully known. And with God and God alone, you are fully loved. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And third, no fear of rejection. No matter what you do, I will always love you. 
God wants us to come just as we are, not as we should be. And God's loving kindness is the beginning of a relationship with God and a relationship with oneself that is a relationship of loving kindness. There is actually a way to live that is at peace with God and at peace with oneself. And that relationship can begin now and last into eternity. It is a relationship of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and healing and wholeheartedness. It is an inner sanctuary of your soul that is with you in quarantine, in a packed room, at the lowest moments and at the highest moments. May you, just as you are, come to experience the transforming mother love of God that says no matter what you do, I will always love you. Let's pray. God, you came to our rescue and you picked us up out of the pouring rain. You've said to each human soul, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we throw ourselves utterly and completely, just as we are, not as we should be, on your grace and mercy and love. May it be that your love that is always chasing us down, may it be that love that transforms us into the people you've made us to be. And may we extend the same sort of gracious love to others. May we become shelters of mercy and grace. May we become protective, womb-like places for the people that you've given us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and Mother of us all. Amen.